came in like a missile, like a fireball missile across from the New York Harbor side, I guess from the north direction. It came in like a spear, just speared through the building like a fireball. I've never seen war up close, but today I have. It's just this sound, this rumble. This mass cloud coming at us. It's intense. Amen. Happy Sabbath, everyone. Happy Sabbath. Um, good afternoon. Um, praise God for the thoughts that Swindon brought out um, in these the last two presentations as this. It's the last day of the seminar, but the beginning of hopefully a new walk with Christ and a better understanding of the truth. So hopefully it's the last day of some wrong error that we've been practicing and a new, and a new start to new truth that we're going to practice. But this is the life of a Christian. Every day is a progressive walk for a Christian. It's supposed to be. There's not a day that we're not supposed to advance up the ladder of communication with our Heavenly Father. Amen? Amen? This is what the Lord wants. That's why he gave us the Bible, so that we can have a daily with him. Because one day the daily Bible is going to be taken away from us at the Sunday law. And all those who don't have the Bible instilled in them, if they don't become a ladder, they're not going to make it to heaven. Amen? Amen? The Bible must be in our hearts by the time we get to the Sunday law. We're going to have a hard time climbing the ladder of progress to heaven. So I pray that by the grace of God that we're, we're, we're taking advantage of these precious opportunity that's soon to be taken from us overnight. It's really going to be taken from us. And COVID was designed to give us a little bit, a little bit of a taste. Uh, yeah, he's gonna, these things is going to be taken because it's a famine. The Lord has to cause a famine. And one of the reasons the Lord has to cause a famine is because people is not hunger for spiritual things. So the Lord's going to take away peace from this earth to create a desire for spiritual things. And he's going to have his Joseph, his living Joseph, who's his living Egypt, that he's going to come in and work through them to feed the Egyptians. Is everyone following? Amen. Because Swinon just said we're the land. Yeah. We have to be Egypt. Amen. And we have to be Babylon that he comes into and feeds the land. And then when he's finished feeding, he's going to take away that body and give us a heavenly body. Amen. Amen. Because Christ, Christ came and took on the Egyptian body. He came and took on the Babylonian body. 
That's what he did. And then he did his work for God, not living like an Egyptian and not living like a Babylonian. And then God gave him a new body, a body of his own making, because he did the work that the Lord desired him to do. Amen. Amen. So in this presentation, I'm not going to so much try to much bring out a lot of new. There's, there's so many things that the Lord wants us to understand as we go forward. There's a lot of things he wants us to, to take into consideration. And my prayer is, is that the Lord will help me to cover and convey that which is um, necessary for right now that will help us in our daily advancement when we leave this place. Because um, the Lord, when we leave this place, the plan is hopefully we don't leave his presence. Amen? Amen? That his presence will abide with us. But there's a part we play in order to keep his presence abiding with us. And we have to play that part. So I pray that by the grace of God, I can fulfill that part for our Heavenly Father and working with Christ that we all can do that together. Because this ladder of progress is climbed together. God, Christ was both human and divine. And if we don't communicate with the human and the divine, we're not climbing the ladder. So communication is important with God and man in order to get up this ladder. Because um, God helps us up, and there's a point where man helps us up. It's earth and heaven. Earth helps us up, and heaven also helps us up. Amen? Amen? So we have to help each other up as the Lord helps us. So this whole week, we're just going to conclude, and there's a note, and I don't know what page we are beginning in the note. 73, page 73 at the bottom, bottom of page 73, and this is dealing with the ladder. And the, um, one other thing the Lord wants us to understand, everything, everything in creation is to reveal God and the plan of salvation, everything, down to your hair, is to reveal God and the plan of salvation. There isn't anything that God has made that doesn't serve his purpose. Even the devil himself serves his purpose. He's, he also is to reveal God and the plan of salvation because he connected himself to it. So at the end of the day, I pray that we can bring some of these things out. And one of this I want to bring out, Daniel 11, Daniel 10. This is like the theme we've been going over, and I pray that we can grasp these things. In Daniel 10, verse 21, Gabriel says, I come to make thee know what's noted in the scripture of what? True. Okay, so I come to add members to the church. Amen. Everyone who doesn't understand this truth, they're not members of the church. That's what Gabriel just told Daniel. Because at the end of it, what does it say? And at that time, Michael shall stand up. What is he going to do? Deliver all the members yeah, whose, names are whose name are written in light of this chapter. Amen. If we don't understand the truth in these chapters, we're not the ones that Michael's going to deliver. We're not because we're not like Daniel. Amen. Because he says he shall deliver thy people. And, and Daniel 10 begins by men that were with Daniel in the church, but they were not in the church. They were only there with Daniel, but they were not in the truth. And Michael came, and what did he do? He separated them. So at the end of it, what is he going to do? Separate. The same thing. He's going to separate. What separates people? The introduction of truth and error. They both do the same thing. Because the one who loves the truth will separate from the one who loves error. And the one who loves error will separate from the one who loves truth. And that's just how it works. Because that's the nature of this conflict and this war in which we're in. But well, we want to make sure that we're not the ones separated. We want to make sure we're separating from sin and not from Christ. Amen. Amen. That's what we want. We want to make sure we're making the right separation because many people, everyone's going to have to make some form of separation. And the point of going through that is to introduce this. When you get to the time of the end, it says, and at the time of the end, there shall be an increase of what? Knowledge. There's the truth right there. And brethren, all who don't understand what's in this magazine is not in the church. You're not in the church. Amen. 
if you don't understand what's in this magazine, because at the time of the end, there's to be an increase of knowledge, and all who progresses in the light of this subject, they're the members of God's living church for the last days. They're the members of his church. Everyone must understand what is in this magazine in order to constitute as being God's last day remnant people. Everybody. There's no exception whatsoever. And, and the, everyone's going to find out that there's no exception when the crisis comes. You know, I, I had a little talk with someone this morning, uh, early this morning on that subject. And if you don't understand what the true church is, you're going to find up on the side of Antichrist. Yeah, yeah. You're going to end up in the wrong church thinking it's the right church. Satan is a skillful general. But praise God, the greatest general that has ever walked on this earth defeated that general. He overthrew that king of the south. That's what the, and we need to make sure that we're on the right, we're, we're working with the right general. It's Michael versus Satan. That's who it is. And we want to make sure we're on the side of Michael and not on the side of the Antichrist. We don't want to be over there. And he's, he knows how to make people end up on his side without them even knowing that they're on his side. That's what the Catholic Church does. It makes people end up on the side of Antichrist, and they don't even know they're on the side of Antichrist. That's the work of the Catholic Church. That's his job. And, and Christ comes to take us out of that. What did he give in the time of the papacy? The Bible. What did he give in the time of the paganism? Christ himself. He gave himself to lead people out from paganism, and he gave the Bible, which is himself, to lead people out of Catholicism, and he gave something else on October 22nd, 1844, to lead people of apostate Protestantism. It's called the spirit of prophecy. Amen. But there's something else. Amen. Because why? Because nominal Adventist is now a dangerous secret weapon for Satan. As Judas was a secret weapon for Satan, so nominal Adventist is a secret weapon for Satan. Those who understand the Day of Atonement, they become dangerous to those who don't understand the Day of Atonement. But praise God, Christ also has secret weapons in the church of God too. And he's going to give them light, a great light on the Day of Atonement. Why? Because they've ascended the ladder of progress. They've ascended it. Now, here's one of the point I want to bring out. There's a door. The time of the end is a door. That's what it is. This is the door. And as you come down, and, and at that time, Daniel 12, 1, what is he going to do to the door? You can't understand this subject anymore. So at the time of the end, this is the point where you better understand the verses that follows the time of the end before Michael stands up and he shuts the door. But even before he shuts the door at 12.1, something comes in and shuts the door before that time. Just like Lucifer in heaven shut his own door before the time. So the Sunday law is where many is going to shut their door before Michael stands up. They did it to themselves because Lucifer did it to himself. He didn't prepare to resist the evil that was going to overtake him at that time. And he gave into it. Strong delusion. Is everyone following? The Bible is a beautiful story. It's a beautiful book. But the point is this. At the time of the end, the door of understanding opened. And on October 22nd, the door of to understand how to enter the most holy place closed. And the Protestants failed to enter that door, and it closed on them. But on October, Christ opened it up for those who entered with him, who received the increase of knowledge that led them down to the open and shut door. That's what it did. But here's, here's what I love about a door. A door is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. It teaches many things about the gospel. A door can only close the way it opens. And a door can only open the way it closes. The way Christ opens is the way he closes, and the way he closes is the way he opens. Amen. 
So he has to repeat the same thing at the end of the world. He has to open and close the same door. And it has to follow the same path and go back over the same path. This is so simple. He declares the open door from the closed door. He declares the end from the be This is a, if we just consider everything around us, it teaches us the first, the second, and third angel's message. And this is a sign that the Spirit of God is walking with us. He's keeping the hope that's in our heart alive until the end. He's keeping the fire burning. That's what a door is. So we're going to take that and we're going to look at a ladder. A ladder is also a beautiful thing. A ladder deals with what? Give, give me some things a ladder deals with. It deals with what? Heights. Like in what way? It lifts you off the ground. It lifts you off the ground. Yeah. Amen. What else does a ladder do? It connects you to things that are out of your reach. It connects, amen. It connects you to things that are out of your reach. But you want to know the only thing a ladder can do? It only goes up and down. Yeah. That's it. Up and down. Bridges go across and across. Is everyone following? Mm -hmm. The vertical line of the cross, that's the ladder. The horizontal line, that's the bridge. The one going up is Christ's divinity, and the one across is his humanity. I, I pray that we can see this. That's why it's a cross. That's why it's a cross. One goes up, one goes across. One needs to connect man to heaven, and one needs to allow man to cross from the old world to the new world. Is everyone following? The papacy made a way for the, the new world to come, and they crossed the water. They crossed the gulf by a ship. So his humanity allows us to go from this earth to the new earth. But divinity allows us to visit God and come down like the angels when we want to come back to the new earth. Is everyone following? If he is in God, we can't go up. And if he's in man, we can't live here. That's what Christ bridged for us. He made a way for us to live in the earth, but also go up to heaven when we please as the angels ascend and descend. That's what the Lord purchased for us. A way to heaven and a way to stay here on this earth. Because the meek shall what? Inherit the earth. So that's what a ladder teaches. There's many other things a ladder teaches. And this is another thing a ladder teaches. As you can see the horizontal line on this ladder, whenever you climb a ladder, and all the builders should understand, anybody who climbs a ladder should understand this. Whenever you climb a ladder, there's a point you reach that if you fall, you highly can die. Is everyone following? There's a point on it, like if you climb the first rung, you can fall, you may get hurt, or you may not get hurt. Yeah. You can climb the next one after that, you may get hurt, or you may not get hurt. But there's a point on the ladder that once you cross this side, if you fall, you die. It's more than one thing than the other. It's what? There's more height there. There's there. more because the space between you and earth is greater. As you go up the ladder, there's the, a part of the ladder is earthly things, and the next part of the ladder is heavenly things. And if we fall from heavenly things, there may not be any recovery for us. The midnight cry is the transition from earth to heaven. That's where we are right now. We're in the middle part of the ladder. If we fall from this point on, we're going to be seriously hurt. Is everyone following? This is the middle of the ladder. There's no turning back once you cross this point. That's what the Lord wants us to understand. There's no turning back. Why is that? Once America crossed the point of introducing a Sunday law, there's no turning back. It's made its decision. It's going forward. 
but a group of people also have to make a decision that they're going forward and they're not turning back. And if we fall, that's why Ellen White can say the dark and wicked world was where? Beneath them. And if they fall off that path, there's no recovery. But Christ is at the farther end. That's the midnight cry. At the resurrection of Lazarus, if the Jews rejected that light, there's no turning back. What happened? They rejected that light. The Protestants, if they reject that light, there's no turning back. What happened? They rejected that light. So where are we? That's what the reform lines is, is for, to tell us exactly where we are and what we ought to do when we reach where we are and be careful when we reach this point. Do not fall from this point. Once we start going into the heavenly things, don't fall from this point. This is for all of us. Amen? Amen. The light's about to get brighter, not only for us, but for everyone on this planet. Once the animal was coming on the board, on the ark, that was it for the people. If the, based on what, they, what decision they made, based upon what they were seeing, they were not going to see anything else after that. The Jews, they were not going to see anything else after that. The Protestants were not going to see anything else after that. And if we are not careful, we won't see anything else after that. And we won't know the way to heaven. Is everyone following? It's, 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 that, it's that concerning now, and it's that serious now. And the Lord, and to prove to us that the seriousness of this, this is where we're about to go into. Let's turn to our notes now, and let's look at a ladder. There's something interesting also about a ladder. There's a ladder safety. We have to maintain what? Three points of contact every time we climb a ladder. Is everyone familiar with that? Mm -hmm. There must be three points of contact. So when we climb in Christ's ladder, there must be what? Three points of contact. There must be three points that we must hold on to if we want to keep climbing this ladder. So there's three specific truths we better make sure we understand clearly if we want to keep ascending this ladder. It can be a lot of things. It can be a lot of things. It's the first, it's the second, and it's the third. And Ellen White says, vital, vital it is to understand these messages. The, the destiny of souls hangs up on the manner in which they are treated. So if we don't maintain these three points of contact, the first, second, and third, we're not going to make it to heaven. We're just not going to make it. We have to maintain our understanding. She says the true understanding of these messages is of vital importance. The destiny of souls hangs upon the manner in which they are received at the time of the end. So, brethren, are we holding the latter? Are we holding on to the first, the second, and the third? But in order to make sure our grip is tight, sometimes the latter might be wet. We put on gloves. And we make our grip to that ladder, what? A little tighter. So Christ, in order to make us hold on to the first, the second, and third a little tighter, he gave us strong evidences. He gave us three powerful, strong evidences to hold on to the first, second, and third. August 11, 1840, the midnight cry, and October 22, 1844. These are the three strongest points to the first, the second, and the third. Is everyone following? So, in other words, we need to make sure we understand 1840, the midnight cry, and October 22nd. If we hold to these points, we have a tight grip on the first, second, and third angel's message. And in each one of those, 
What makes us whole to them? The rules of prophetic interpretation. By having this rule, we have a tight grip on the first, a tight grip on the second, and a tight grip on the third. You know where you see this evidence? I'm just walking through my notes. It's okay. Matthew 25. And that the kingdom of heaven shall be likened unto what? Ten virgins. When did that start? August 11, 1840. That's when it started. Grip. There it is right there. That grip. It's what makes us know it started there. How do... The fall, of, the fall of the Ottoman Empire. Amen. And what allowed their lamps to shine? The rules of prophetic interpretation. It caused their lamps to shine. But in that lamp, there is also to be some oil. Then what's the oil? It is a truth upon the chart. You see, there's something beautiful about the Holy Spirit we need to understand. Ellen White says um, in Prophets and Kings, a chapter dealing with Elisha. Um, the call of Elisha. And she said that Matthew 25 is the call of the virgins. And the Holy Spirit works the same way. Elisha is the ten virgins. Elisha by himself is the ten virgins. Elijah is William Miller. And the message of William Miller called the ten virgins, which is Elisha. Because they were going to take over after William Miller. Is everyone following? So she says when Elisha was called, Elijah laid his mantle upon Elisha. And she says, by that act, Elisha knew that God called him. You know what she said about that? She says, the Holy Spirit impressed upon Elisha the meaning of that act. That's Matthew 25. Those who take the oil, the meaning of 1840 was impressed upon their minds by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, what did he do? Yes, he, he understood the meaning of Habakkuk chapter 2. He's, the Holy Spirit lets us know that we're living in the present time, that this Amen. prophecy is to be fulfilled. Amen. He tells us the meaning of what we're to do in the time we see the fulfillment of prophecy. Amen. The foolish virgins didn't get that. They just got August 11, 1840. That's all they got. So they held to that, but no oil. The Holy Spirit must impress upon us the meaning of the fulfillment of prophecy. There's a spiritual meaning in prophecy being fulfilled that we need to get. Every one of us. But get this. August 11, 1840 is 9-11. So there's a deep spiritual meaning about 9-11. There's some, we need to start considering 9-11 like we've never considered it. There's something the Holy Spirit wants to tell us about that act. And you want to know one thing he told me when, while soon was presenting? Let's show this. 1840, who, what, 1840, Ellen White says, is inseparable link to 1798. Yes. So 1798 and 1840 is, is one wrong that we must hold to tightly. Yeah. 1989 and 9-11 is a wrong. We must hold to this tightly and not allow anybody to move us from the understanding of this truth. The midnight cry is another one. Hold that tight. Matthew 25 says, And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. And then all those virgins trimmed their lamb, and they went forth again, repeating the first verse. Amen. There's the second stronghold. And then when they got to October 22nd, they went back to the first to make sure the third is right. Yep. That's why those three are so important to hold on to. That's why we got to, brethren, I'm not saying this to just give us an enlightenment. We really have to understand these three points. We seriously have to make sure we understand 1798, 1840, the midnight cry on October 22nd, like the back of our hands. Like the back of our hands. 
because we need to understand 1989 and 9-11 and this next big event. You know why the Lord is showing us? Because he's really about to reveal something big to us. And, and when the civil Sunday law comes, we better make sure we have a tight grip on what he reveals to us. The goal of Satan is to steal it. And he's going to work in many different ways to try to steal and make you let go of the wrong and fall back into the dark and wicked understanding that you had before that light came. It, it's, it's that serious. So 1989, here's what the Lord shows I was mentioned earlier, mentioning a few minutes ago. Swindon was going over, and uh, Romans 7, it says, Who shall be able to deliver me from the what? Body of this the body of what? Death. What do we say the church is? The body. The body. What, is the, what is the body and what is the church? Second Timothy, Second Timothy told us, 3.15. It's a pillar of what? So what's the body of death? There's a terrible error about death that's in all of us. When Eve sinned, she accepted a lie concerning death. Death hides us from life. Is everyone following? There's something that Christ is going to reveal about death. And if we don't know him, he can't deliver us from it. Because at the time of the end, the king of death came with his chariots and horsemen into where? The United States in 1989. So what has America been witnessing since 1989? An increase of death. Just go, just go look over the history. Go look over the history. What happened at 9-11? Death. 2014, who came up? ISIS doing what? Death. 2020, what came up? What, and what did it introduce? So what are we about to see happen in this next one? Okay, so what did I just say the Holy Spirit does? There is a meaning about death that we need to understand. We need to start considering COVID. How did people die? And what is the Lord, what meaning is the Lord trying to convey to my mind that when I learn this meaning, I will fear with all of my being to receive the mark of the beast. Because whoever have the mark of death, the Holy Spirit is going to show them what's going to come upon them in the seven last plagues. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing. If you receive the mark of the beast, you're going to see what's coming in the seven last plagues and you can do nothing about it. Because the Bible says a fearful looking on of judgment. Isn't that what Paul said? Mm -hmm. But a fearful looking of judgment of those things that are coming and they can't get away from it. And the, what does the Bible say? And tidings out of the north and the east shall what? Mm -hmm. Trouble them because they receive the mark of the beast. Yep. Because they received that mark, they're troubled for how long? Until the second coming of Christ. And then they try to, they're going to they're gonna release that thing on God's people. To go do away what? Many. Yes. Brethren, I'm serious. We need to start pleading for the oil. There's something the Lord wants us to consider about 1989, 9-11. Because it's going to give us an idea of what's coming this, in this next big one. And if our spiritual eyes can see past literal buildings coming down, praise God, we're blessed. Because Ellen White says, the closer we come to Christ, the more fault we shall see. It's an evidence, she says, that Satan is losing his grip. And your grip to Christ is getting tighter.
If you can see your error, praise God. If you can't see it, you're a foolish virgin. But you won't even know until the time come um, for, for you to advance. So this is something the Lord wants us to understand as we're going through this. This is why he's helping us understand what is truth. It's a church. Death is also a church because the Bible calls it the synagogue of what? Satan. That's his synagogue. is the children of dead worshipers. They're dead in trespasses and sins, and they have no knowledge of the way to heaven because they've let go of their hold of the ladder. They've let go. They've given up the evidences that sustains 1840 and 1798 or 9-11 and 1989. The spiritual understanding makes our hold to truth tighter. If we only understand the natural, we only have a natural hold. So all Satan has to do is inflict us with natural temptations, and we're going to let go. But if we have a spiritual hold on 1989 and 9-11, then it's going to take a lot more by him to get us to let go. Because we accept more than just 9-11 buildings coming down. Though he slay me, like Job, yet will I trust him. That's why Job held on. He heard the Spirit's voice. What did he do? The whole book of Job is about death. The entire book of Job is about death and resurrection. So he conquered, amen. So I really want us to get this. This whole warfare is about life and death. That's what this is about. And the whole purpose of Satan is to hide the true understanding of death and life from our minds. Because then we'll go the wrong way. We think that we're going the way of life when it's the way of death. The way of life is the cross. The way of death is to evade the cross. Anything that makes us put down the cross is death. And anything that makes us take up the cross is life. Isn't that strange? Isn't that strange? The way of death is life. To run from death is death. Because Christ declares the end from the beginning. You're going to face. Whatever we're running from in regards to the truth, we're going to face it in the end. But it's a time we can't run from it no more. We can't run. So I just want to go on. I'm just bouncing through the nose. This is more like a conclusion of what we went over this week. So I'm not, my goal is not to really flow through the notes like that. But I want us to read something about a ladder. Um, can you read those, those portions, uh, definition and, and rules and safety, please? Maintain three points of contact for climbing safety. To help prevent falls, keep this rule in mind whether climbing on ladders, equipment, or vehicles. Climbing on ladders is a routine part of the job for many people, yet workers often suffer injuries when they don't ascend or descend properly. When they what? Jacob's ladder. There's rules to climb in Jacob's ladder. And we must maintain these safety rules at all times as we ascend the ladder. Hold on to these three points as you climb the ladder. Out of these three points is deep spiritual lessons that will help you to come up a little higher in your spiritual experience. Hold on to them. Hold on to the place where you got the oil. Because the Lord is going to teach you much as you ascend, as you go up this ladder. So I praise God for this. This next transition that we're about to engage in, our minds is going to be so spiritual. Completely spiritual. We're going to lose sight of this earth. Some of us. Some of us. God forbid, hopefully none of us. But it's all based upon how we're treating the message right now. Are we allowing, our, are we allowing Christ to transition the mind from death to life? 
Earthly understanding is death. Spiritual understanding is life. That's what the Bible teaches all day long. To only understand that 9-11 is buildings coming down is death. To only understand that COVID is physical disease and, and stuff happening and COVID and all that stuff, that's yeah. death. There's a spiritual lesson in these things that we need to understand. In 1798, I, I pray to, I'm, I'm trying to build upon this. We went over 1798 as a time of the end. Who fell in 1798? Papacy. papacy. What is the papacy call? What is one of the, 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 man, of the man of sin? What else? Death. De death. Amen. Son of perdition. What does Daniel 11 call them? The king of the north. And who was the king of the north? Territory. Babylon. So who fell in 1798? And then let's go to the natural history. This one killeth if we only understand this. In the natural history, who took over Babylon? What, what do we know about the Medes and the Persians? What do they, they have what? Okay, so what does America have? Life. There's life. There's life right there. So it's life to understand that the Medes and the Persians are a symbol of America. But that's only the earthly life. We need a spiritual life. We need to come up higher. Amen? So let's, 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 add a, let's go up another rung of the Medes and the Persians. Let's go up another rung. We went up one rung, and the Medes and the Persians are a symbol of the United States with two horns. Okay, now that we have this understanding, Christ, help us to come up a little higher. Let's reach up our hands, so we're going to go up higher by remembering the three points of safety. Okay, 1798 is linked to 1840. 1989 is linked to 9-11, and the Midnight Cry, and then the Civil Sunday Law. Okay, the seventh way mark... And the, the third way mark, and the first way mark, and the sixth way mark, they're one. One, three, six, and seven. So I need to remember the first thunder, the third thunder, the sixth thunder, and the seventh thunder. And as long as I keep this safety rules in mind, these strongest evidences given to support the first, second, and third, I can go up the next rung of the United States being the Medes and the Persians. So let's go up another rung. The Persians had two horns. Which horn came up higher? No, the Persian horn didn't come up high. Who came? No, it did come up higher. But who was higher first is what I should say. Who was higher first? The Medes. The Medes. So the Medes is up here, and the Persians is right here. All right, so we got that. What did the Bible say happened? How did he come up? How did he come up? Darius died. And what happened? Prophecy. Yes, prophecy. But things happened with that prophecy. Events really happened. Cyrus was converted. <laughs> Come on, people. He was converted. He accepted the religion of Daniel. He was a pagan. And he accepted the God of the Hebrews. Ezra chapter 1. He says, the God has told me to let the Jews go. That Cyrus did not say, who is the Lord that I shall obey his voice? Cyrus says, I will let your people go. He accepted the religious change in his mind. And Persia was now a religious mindset beast. So America is going to go from secular mind to religious mind. But they're, going, they're not going to let God's people go. We just went up another rung. Is everyone following? 
We just climbed another rung of Jacob's ladder. Another understanding. But guess what? God's word is eternal. So Jacob's ladder is eternal. So the Medes and the Persians, the lessons is eternal. And the more we hunger for God, oh, let's drink it. Lord, take me higher, please. Help me to put the more higher I come, Lord, is the more sin is being taken from me. Give me strength to come up higher. And the Lord says, Canard, living water, and everyone watching, if you want to come up higher, communicate to man and communicate to God. That's the latter. It's human and divine. You're not going to go up any higher if you only keep this light to yourself. Amen? Amen. So as we learn, let's help somebody else learn. Is everyone following? Okay, so America, so 1989, in order for the papacy to rule the world, secularism, the daily, must fall. That's what 1989 marked, the fall of secularism. That's what it marks. And the rise of religionism. That's what it marks. Satan can't receive worship if there isn't a religion for people to worship him. He can't be anti-Christ if he doesn't force people to worship him as Christ. But in order to do that, he needs to remove the daily that he put in them to love the world. Now he's going to put in them to love religion. With a, <laughs> with, with a what? With a worldly mindset. I'm not asking you to give up the world. I'm just asking you to change how you view things in this world. Bring the world into church. Bring, the, bring more of the world into your life. That's his religion. Just acknowledge Christ when you do so, so that you can provoke God for me. I just want you to provoke God more for me. So keep loving the world and provoke God with me. Let's provoke God together. Because God hates when you bring the world into the church. So you know what? Bring it into the church and let's hate God together. Good God. But what does Jesus say? Away with the world. Take these things hence and make not my father's house a den of thieves. Amen. Let's love God together. If you love me, keep my commandments. And that's the straight testimony. People, if we love God, take this worldly attitude out of his church. Amen. Take it out. This spirit you have is worldly. It has no place in the house of God. Take this spirit hence and make not our father's house a den of thieves. Amen. You're not supposed to love movies. You're not supposed to love pornography. You're not supposed to love alcohol. You're not supposed to love fornication outside of marriage. And you're not supposed to sleep with your wife in excess as you're a bunny rabbit. It's worldliness. It's worldliness. You got a hand. Take these things hence and make not my father's house a den of thieves. Because now the Lord is going to show us a spiritual aspect of sin. You shouldn't be committing outward sins like a pagan. When you reach the midnight cry, he's dealing with heart sins now. Amen. And if pagan sins is not put away, we're going to become pagans. The midnight cry is heart sins. Not the letter anymore. You shouldn't be doing letter sins at this point of the ladder. This point of the ladder, letter sins should be gone. The Lord is dealing with sin in the heart. That's what he's doing. He's dealing with the spirit of the letter sins. What leads to the letter sins? If we remove this, we remove all sins. Amen. It's the spirit that gives life. It's the spirit of sin that gives life to sin. And it's the spirit of life that gives life to righteousness. 
What we think is what we act. Change the think, change the act. Corrupt the think, corrupt the act. Let us fix it, brethren. God wants us to fix it. Now, we have to fix it. I know we're thinking worldliness. I know so. I don't need any of anybody to tell me so. You know how I know so? Because the Bible says there's two laws warring in my members. I'm either giving life to the worldly one, or I'm killing that one and giving life to our loving Savior, Jesus Christ. Which one? So I don't need anybody to tell. The Bible tells me we all are battling with worldliness. North and south. We all are battling with it. Some of us give life to it, and some of us are willing by the blood of Christ to crucify it. The Lord is going to ask us to give up a lot more of the world in the next test. A lot more. If we thought we were poor... <laughs> We're going to find out what poor really means. Mm -hmm. To be dead is to be poor. The best way to teach us about death is to make us poor. Because when you're dead, you need life. When you're poor, you need wealth. So the Lord needs to create a circumstance to show us our need for life. And if we don't have the right spirit, we're going to crucify Christ thinking the cross is death and a vision of the cross is life. But those who have the spiritual mind, the cross is life and running away from the cross is death. We need to be converted about what it really means to be a Christian. To be a Christian means to die and live in Christ and Christ live in you. That's what it means to be a Christian. God the Father chose the cross for every Christian that claims to be a son and a child of God. 30 minutes, serpent. Thank you. Go ahead. Who, where was the hand? Yeah, I was, I was um, just going to add quickly that um, the Medes and the Persians, they came up like a lamb on the Cyrus. And Amen. on the Ahas, they spoke as a dragon. So you mm -hmm. have to see that, yes, the lamb is there. But you also have to see the dragon spirit comes Amen. follows that later. If you don't, well, if you end up hating God's people that's sitting in the gate. So. Amen. Go down in the notes. Thank you, Swindon. Go down in your notes to the, the definition of secularism. I want to read what secular means. Let's look at what secularism means. And I want to, when we read this, I'm going to tell y'all this point. The papacy hates secularism mm -hmm. because they know they can't rule if, the, if people have liberty to do what they want in the world. That's why you have the battle. Yes, so the papacy have to take away, they're even trying to take away the love of the world yeah. so that they can get control of the world. Yeah. They're doing what Christ is doing, just, on the, just opposite of each other. Christ wants to take away the love of the world so that we can love God. He wants to take away the love of the world so you can worship him. As long as there's liberty for people to live how they want in this world, the papacy can't rule. Because it's the same with Christ. As long as we love this world, Christ can't rule. So they're both fighting to have us remove the love of the world, but from a different point of view. One is to remove it, but promote the world. One is to remove it and lift up the daily. One is to remove it and actually take away the daily. Brethren, we love this world, and we need to confess that to our Father. God, take this love of the world away from me. 
We love this world. That's why we do the things of the world in the dark. When no one in the world's eyes can see us, but heaven sees us. And you know what the Lord says about Elijah and Elisha that I love, that I know that God is going to do for many of us if we're faithful? You know what God says? Elisha, there was some wicked king that wanted to come take Israel. And they laid a deeply laid plot. We probably know the story. They laid a plot so deep that only those in his chambers knew of the plot. But God said, Elisha, they're planning to come take Israel. And here's what they're planning to do. And Elisha went out to go meet them. And his servant was there. And Elisha said, the servant said, oh man, what are we going to do? The world is coming after us. Because his spiritual eyes wasn't open, he was ready to turn away from the cross. So Elisha, being a man of God, recognized that my brother, my neighbor is about to fall. And Elisha said, God, I pray, open up his eyes of understanding so he can see the chariots and horsemen that surrounds us just as much as the chariots and horsemen that surrounds us. Amen. There's two chariots and horsemen that came in 1989. That's what swinging was going over. If we don't see the spiritual one, we're going to die by seeing the literal one. Amen. We're going to die. And I say, God, please open up the eyes of my brothers and sisters so that they can see that Christ was there in 1989 too with chariots and ships and horsemen and ships. He was also there. Do you know what that is? Swinging went over and we need to take this in like like it's life because it is. He's raising up prophets. Jeff is a prophet. God rolls him up as the father in the chariots and horsemen. Amen. That's what he did. The spirit of 89 was in Jeff. Amen. And he went as the father of the new movement to give life to Adventism. And they rejected their father as a sign that they rejected their father. What is spirit needs a body so we can see it. Whatever is spiritual needs a body so natural eyes can see it. We need to understand this. The papacy is sin in the flesh. What the papacy is outwardly is what our spirit is inwardly. We need to understand these things so that we can, our prayers can be right. And then we can say, God, Take away not only the letter of my sins, take away the spirit of my sins. Don't only stop me from going to the pornography section, but take away the spirit that makes me want to go to the pornography section. Take that away. The humanity of Christ tells us what not to do outwardly. The divinity of Christ tells us to remove these things inwardly. Take Take both of them, say, take these things hence. We need to love Christ outwardly and inwardly. That's how we love our Savior. Outward and inward. In order to see sin, God allows the papacy to exist in mercy to us. So that we can see how sin is working in us. And then we can say, Christ, come in because I can't stop this man of sin. Only you can. Only you came into this world and stopped sin. I can't stop it. And you know what the Lord showed? He said, Canard, how I worked in the earth is how I work in y'all hearts. I'm the only one that can keep sin at bay. And if you allow me to be in your heart, yes, sin will rage in your heart. But as long as I remain there, it will not touch your soul. It will not touch your soul. 
And when I come in the judgment of the living, when I come at that time to finally take away that sin that keeps warring against me in you, give it to me so I can take it. How do we give it to Christ? Confess your sins. Confess them and put them away in the flesh. And accept the punishment. We're all going to be punished for everything we did. All of us. We thought we were going to just sin and get away with it. That's not God's kingdom because that's not justice. That's antichrist. And the Lord is not antichrist. He's not against himself. God is not against his kingdom. He's not against his justice. If we don't get punished, the wicked can't get punished. Then they can't get punished. That's why Christ had to come in the flesh and drink the cup for us. And now he reserves the right to really destroy Satan and all those who choose to continue in sin. Mm -hmm. The cross is our life. That's our life. Take it up. Let's take it up. Amen? Amen. Let us take it up. I pray that we're all understanding this. And I, I didn't forget the serpent point. I'm going to bring it. I'm saving it for, to, to close out, hopefully, around that point. And you said it's probably 20 minutes now, right? 14. 14. So these, 13. 13. So these are some of the things we went over this week. And as I'm going through this today, you know, I thank God because my prayers, I'm like, Lord, I just, want to, I just want us to understand what the Lord wants for us. And I pray that when we leave here this Sabbath, that we will remember the things we learned from this seminar. Because 1 Corinthians 15 says, You will be saved if you keep in memory the things that I preached unto you. Salvation comes by keeping in memory the things preached. If we let them slip like Adam and Eve, we fall. God was the first preacher to our first parents. And God says, and the Lord God commanded them, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat, for the day thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. That message was preached to some innocent people. So you know what the Lord is showing? When we get to the Sunday law, there's a preaching that the Lord is going to say, I'm commanding you. Yep. Don't do this because now you're perfect. Walk before me and be the perfect. Until the what? And how do you? You must keep in memory what God preached on to you until the end. Because the man of sin, the drunk man, is coming to make you drink the wine that makes you forget. Eve drunk the wine of the papacy in the garden. And she took the same cup. And gave it to her husband. So we are, prophecy is sure, America has to fulfill those words. America has to serve the kings the cup. Because that's what's written in Genesis. We have also more short of prophecy that we do well, that we take heed as unto a light that shines in a dark place. Revelation 13, 11 says, And I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb. Why does the Bible say that? Because I saw two men and a man and a woman come up out of the earth, and they had two horns like a lamb. Adam and Eve was the two horns like a lamb. And the Bible says, and they spake like a dragon. Why did they speak like a dragon? And there was another beast, more subtle than all the beasts that God has made. Oh, there it is. That's why they began speaking like a dragon. He caused the whole, the whole world to do what? Worship the first idea. Everyone's going to worship the first idea of Satan. You shall be as God. Brethren, we're about to see people do things like they're God. Mm -hmm. 
What did God do when he came to us? The Bible says, Emmanuel, God with us. You know what these false gods are going to do? Walk on water. They shall do signs in so much that if it were possible, it would deceive the very elects. Because when God came in the flesh, he walked on water. So guess what wicked gods are going to do before the eyes of many? Walk on water. And because we don't understand spiritual things, we're going to fall for that deceiver. The Bible says he's going to work with all deceivableness and unrighteousness in them that perish. Satan is going to get permission to work the way Christ worked in the first coming. All oh, matter of miracles. And if we're deceived by outward working because some guy can walk on water, good luck with your life. Yes. Brethren, this is a real conflict. It's a serious conflict. If we live by the sight, we're going to die by the sight. But if we live by the spiritual sight, we're going to live by the spiritual sight. Amen? Amen. The Lord really wants us to understand these things. America has to speak like a dragon. Because prophecy says, and it spake like a dragon. Yes, read it, please. I want us to see what the papacy hates. And Christ too. Secular. Pertaining to the present world. The bold, the bold. Yeah, that's what I'm reading. Okay. Um, pertaining to the present world are the things not spiritual or holy. Relating to things not immediately or primarily respecting the soul, but the body. Worldly. What is it? Worldly. worldly. Where's everybody's mind right now? In the world. You know how you recognize the worldly mind? They don't appreciate spiritual truths. If we don't like spiritual truths, we have a worldly mind. We need to understand that because we need to examine ourselves. If we don't appreciate spiritual lessons, we're secular. We're worldly. The papacy can't rule in an environment that doesn't like religious things. They can't rule either. They need to remove worldliness in order to remove. But the way Satan removes worldliness is by creating death. That's how he removes it. Number two. Go ahead. Among Catholics. Among who? Catholics. All right. Not regular. Not bound by monastic vows or rules. Not confined to monastery or subject to the rules of a religious community. What is, Thus is, we say the secular clergy and the regular clergy. Praise God. Amen. Does everyone see this? Rome can't rule if that's not gone. If that daily is not removed, they can't rule. That's why 1989 came, the spirit of Rome came into America to remove worldliness. So you know how Satan removes world? We are not to be ignorant of his devices. Increase a love of the world and make the churches mad. America is to get poor. Increase the love of the world, make the churches mad. What are we seeing with the churches? And as they get angry, what are they going to do? Turn to Christ? No. No, they're going to turn to the flesh. They they're going to turn to the civil powers. What they think is true. What they think is right. And they're going to what? The horn is going to come up higher than the secular one. Yeah. And we just saw the man who stepped into the, the speaker of the house. What is his name? Mike, Mike, Johnson. Mike Johnson. And ever since this man came in, what is he talking about? Religion. He's speaking like a dragon. Because how does a dragon speak? Peaceably. At first. And then he's going to 
fight like a venom. He's going to strike when the whole world has accepted his peaceful terms. By peace, he shall, he shall destroy Americans. By peace, he shall destroy America. Peace is religion. By religion, he shall destroy many. Bro, brethren, we're seeing this with our natural eyes and we're not seeing it at the same time. We're seeing prophecy and we're not seeing prophecy. And we don't, we don't know prophecy is being fulfilled right now. And you know what my, um, our daughter and my brother um, remarried him said the other day? If he's the speaker of the house, out of the abundance of the heart, the house speaks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the whole house has that heart. Yeah. He's the speaker of that. And you know what Alyssa said? Wait, that means Christ needs to be the speaker of our house. Amen. Oh, praise God. If he's not the speaker of our house at the judgment of the living, we're gone. Until he comes who's right Christ, is. The yep. crown that Swinon is talking about is Christ being the speaker of our religion. Amen. When he received the king, he's the speaker of our civil government. He rules, there's a church understanding in our mind and, our, and a state understanding in our minds Amen. because we're made in God's image and God's image is church and state. Amen. And God wants to heal this before the man of sin come. If the word of God is not in us, before the papacy comes back, we're Roman Catholics. Mercy. We cannot be Catholics now. We cannot afford that right now. We can only be Catholics in Christ, a universal, true religion. Amen. So Amen. I'll close out now, as I said, the serpent. I didn't forget. You go ahead. I'm go ahead. Based on what you were just saying, I was just thinking, which means you're seeing the, the king of the south is going to be bigger than the king of the north. As far as... I, I didn't hear the first part. I was saying, based on what you were saying about... Um, the king of gosh. the south. I was just saying, what I'm seeing is that the king of the south is going to be bigger than the king of the north going against... Other, because based on the um, the speaker of the house. That's not the north is going to be bigger. Okay. North is. The north is going to be the okay. north is always, always bigger. <laughs> north is always okay. Bigger. Religion uh, is always bigger than atheism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, the reason why I was saying that because you know, when I, I read the article, I think Romario posted about him. One of y'all posted oh, an article, yeah, yeah. and when I read the article, at, at first sight, it seemed like he's doing good because he's yeah, talking about yeah. you know the church and state. By about, peace, he yeah. shall destroy because, Americans. But I'm saying, if you don't understand prophecy, mm. it'd be confusing because I had to think about it. I'm saying, no, that doesn't make sense because it, it seemed good, but then it will backfire for us because there's a way he's that about, seems good. <laughs> it seems right unto a man. But yeah. The is dead. Because you know, in the world, you yeah. know, I was telling Swindon um, just a couple of days ago. That in the world, you know, based on religion, you know, I'm not in schools. He really wants to bring religion back, and it seems like a good thing, you know, bringing religion back. You know, we'll have more peace in school. Yes, sounds but, good. Yes, yeah, sounds, sounds good. good. But then, but then, what will you have in the school? What, what did you say that they say we will have in the school? Peace. By what will we have? Study Daniel 8. By peace, yes. he shall destroy Americans. Amen. The world can't be destroyed until America's destroyed. America's America must receive the religion of false peace before the world receive the religion of false peace. America is Jerusalem that needs to be conquered in order for the world to be conquered. Amen. Yeah, so, you know, it really makes sense. You know what I mean? Praise so, God. I, because, because, because Why does I, it make sense? Because prophecy makes sense. Yes. Amen. So I want to quote, are you finished, Michelle? No, no, she's done. Okay. Okay, I want to bring out this point with the serpent. 
This was a wonderful thought, and I loved it when I heard it. And it doesn't matter to me what anyone is going to say in opposition to it, because I know there's going to be an antichrist to every truth we learn. Someone's going to, everything we understand is truth, someone has to oppose it. They don't have to, but they're going to choose to, because they choose to dwell with Satan for, for in depth. So the point is, every we got to remember this, every truth we're learning, there's going to be an antichrist against it. Yeah. There's just going to be an by the grace of God, may it not be any of us. Amen. By the grace of God, may it not be any of us. For every truth, there is going to be an antichrist. Yeah. What we're learning, someone must oppose. Yeah. They don't have to, but they're going to. By the grace of God, may that not be any of us. What we're learning, someone's going to oppose. Put away the love of the world now before we cross the ladder from earth to heaven. The midnight cry is the transition from secular to religion. Amen. After the midnight cry, when Christ did the triumphal entry, the whole world, even the pagan world, was concerned about religion. Mm -hmm. Everyone was concerned about religion. That's how powerful the secret weapon of God was, God coming in the flesh. It destroyed the love of the world, even in a pagan society. That's what happened. But here's why I'm connecting that. A serpent. What do we learn about a snake? A snake is an interesting creature. And God chose that to represent Satan and Christ. They both represent Satan and Christ. Christ became a serpent for us. Amen. And Satan is going to be made into a serpent. Amen. That's the difference. Christ became, he's going to be. Yes, his wings are going to be Christ clean. chose to become in the human flesh. Satan's just going to inhabit human flesh. God's going to give that to him because the Bible says, Dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. And you shall do what? Eat dust all the days of your life until you die. God is going to possess him. <laughs> oh man, because Satan, he has a terrible punishment coming. Amen. So, so God is going to possess him. And God is going to lead him into his death. Lead him to captivity. Man, yeah, because he did what to Christ? Led him. Yeah. So God's going to lead him. Man. Do unto others as, as you have done unto yourself. yourself. Yeah. You led Christ, I'm going to lead you. Yeah. But guess who Christ is going to allow to do that? The 144,000. It's a powerful uh, strive to be in that number. Strive to be in that number. But going back, so a snake. What do you learn about a snake? A lot of things. There was a guy in, I believe, Texas. And he was in Texas, and his wife was doing a gardening work, the church working in the world. And his wife, as his wife was working in the garden, a rattlesnake, a rattlesnake came out and threatened her. What did a rattlesnake do? Threaten her. Why did it threaten? To prevent her from working in the garden. Are we seeing the spiritual lessons? Amen. When we go work in the garden, snakes are going to come to try to prevent us from working in the garden. Yeah. There must be an antichrist. From the east, so yes, as we work, snakes come. Mm -hmm. Amen. They come. They always come when God works. Always. Moses, magicians. Always. But going back to the story, I want to try, I'm trying my best to stay at the natural. It's hard to do that sometimes. But as you go, um, that this man, so the, the wife screamed what Eve should have done. The wife screamed, and the husband came running. Eve should have done that. Adam would have came running. But Eve didn't scream, so Adam didn't come. So the wife screamed, and the man came. So when we cry, Christ comes. When we see the serpent, cry for Christ. He comes. 
That's how that works. Eve didn't do that. She failed. Yes, cry, and he will come. So the serpent, the serpent, and she responded, right? She screamed, and here comes her protector, the strong man, her husband. He came out there. He saw the snake. Quickly looked for a weapon to, to deal with the snake. I think it was a shovel. He, what was it? Okay, he grabbed the shovel, and he just whacked that snake. Guess what he did? The same thing Swindon liked to do. Cut off the head. Okay, minutes passed by. I don't know how much time. Time passed by. He took his wife inside to console her. So after the cross, there's a level of comfort. So he took his wife in to comfort her, to calm her down from the threat of this venomous serpent. And then she calmed down. So then he said, okay, now that she's calmed down, I'm going to go deal with the serpent. So I'm like, oh, that's how you work, Christ. You first calm us down, make sure we're comfortable, and then you go deal with the serpent. Yeah. You know, a that's a, yeah. a thousand years. Calm us down, and then you go deal with a the serpent. Years, then deal yeah. with the serpent. So that man really lived the life of Christ. Yeah. He was living a good, he was living right. That's what you comfort your wife and then go deal with the problem. Make her calm down and go deal with the issue. Amen. So after she calmed down, he went out to go deal with the snake. Brethren, this part is so powerful. It was for me. I never knew this. He cut the head of the snake off. There's the tail. There's the head. One on that side, one on that side. This, I don't know if he grabbed the tail first. I don't know what he did. That's probably what he should have done and he didn't do. He went to go grab the head of the snake. Brethren, that snake came alive and bit him and emptied every single venom it had in its body. And I learned this. When you cut a head of a snake off, there's something interesting about a snake. It doesn't breathe the way we breathe. That's why the Bible says this beast wasn't like all the other beasts. A snake breathes so shallow and slow. It doesn't need a lot of air to stay alive. If it just had a... It can live. Just a little. It can live. So that snake, even though you cut off the head... It wasn't dead. So the papacy came up. The papacy is the worst part of the venom. Everything that snake had in him in the head part, it had put it all in that man. He nearly died. From the head alone, not the tail, just the head alone. So you know what the Lord says? Canard, at the cross, I cut off Satan's head. But the world thinks he's dead. That's the Protestants. It's finished. Yeah. And they go out into the world to work thinking it's finished. And Satan bit them with the papacy. Yeah. He bit them hard and poured all of his venom into the Protestant churches because they think it all finished at the cross. What a delusion. What a delusion. Yes, brethren, we have to wait for Satan to lose all of his air. He's got to lose all of it. And then Christ, the wise shepherd, is going to go lay his hands on him, the scapegoat, because all of his air is now gone. Yep. There's a lot of gospel in nature. A lot of gospel. A lot. That's how we know we have the spirit of life. Amen. This is the spirit of prophecy. Amen. This is the spirit of prophecy. We can look to nature, see God. Going to the Bible, see God. Amen. Look in the testimony, see God. And when I look in you, I should see God. Amen. That's the spirit of prophecy. And where that spirit is, that's the house of God. That's where you worship and nowhere else. Let no man rob you of this understanding. Amen. No man. This is the house of God. 
Christ is in this place, Amen. and we knew it not. Amen. He's here by his personal presence in the Holy Spirit. Amen. I know he is because of what he just revealed to us through that. Praise God. No man can teach that to us, the Bible says. Amen. Flesh and blood has not revealed to us the great controversy between Christ and Satan. Satan does not want us to understand the great controversy between him and Michael. He hides that because the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not. Unless the glorious light of what the snake, the lesson about the snake teaches them, shine into their hearts yes. and they become Christians. Amen. Brethren, by this preaching today, I want to encourage you, be a Seventh-day Adventist Christian right now. Not according to the General Conference, not according to 3ABN, not according to Enriquez, according to what Living Waters is here teaching at the end of the world. Mm. Be that Seventh-day Christian. Be this Seventh-day Christian. This one. There's a rule I would like to introduce before I leave. I know I'm over time, and, and I'm not going to worry about the time for just this sake. There's a rule in the Bible that every one of us need to understand before the Sunday law comes. Every single one of us needs to understand this rule. Every one of us, and I'm serious. We need to understand this. And I want to encourage us this week to go home and to look in this principle that I'm about to say to you because it's vital and it's very important. Our Savior said, disciples, I'm sending you out. And if they receive you, they receive me. And if they receive me, they receive him that sent me. If we don't receive the man with the gospel, we don't receive Christ. And if we don't receive Christ, who is God in man, we don't receive the Father. It was his plan. To reject the man is to reject Christ. To reject Christ is to reject the Father. There has to be a man that the spirit of prophecy possesses or men so that we can see the working of God's spirit. Amen. Amen. We can't see the spirit because spirit has not flesh and blood. The spirit must possess flesh and blood so we can see the working of the spirit. And every time my brother Swindon, Romario, and Rashad and comes up here, I see the working of the Spirit that it possessed them. Otherwise, they could not say some of the things in which they say. Amen. So I receive my brothers in open arms because, God, you are in them, and I receive them gladly. Because if I don't receive them, I don't receive you, and I don't receive the Father. Amen. And my daughter, our daughter, our lovely daughter, Alyssa, the Lord uses her greatly and blesses her with wonderful light. And I receive her and the light. Amen. Because if I don't receive her with the light, I don't receive Christ who is the light. Amen. Brethren, if we don't learn to receive men, we're going to be doomed. We're going to receive the wrong man. Because Jesus said, I came and they didn't receive me. But another is going to come in another name. Mm. And they're going to receive that man. You know why? Because he speaks well. He speaks smooth things. He doesn't call the papacy. The, he doesn't call the Catholic Church the wicked. He doesn't do that. He just says the wicked. But the John the Baptist and the Elijah says the wicked Catholic Church. It's a wicked church. And everyone needs to come out of that wicked system. It's wicked. Elijah will say that. But the wicked prophets, they won't say that at the time when they should say that. They won't say it. So, brethren, I want to encourage us this week. Understand that rule. If they receive you, they receive me. They receive me, they receive him that sent me. You know what she said to that? She connected that with Elijah and the widow woman. 
The widow woman, the woman, that's what Christ was telling them in the church that day. She received Elijah and she was blessed for receiving Elijah. Whenever we receive a prophet, we receive a prophet's reward. Amen. When we reject a prophet, we're going to get the wrath of God. We have to receive the man and the message. We have to receive it. I'm saying this for a reason. We must receive each other where God dwells. We must receive each other. If we don't receive each other, we don't have the spirit of prophecy. But thereby we entertain um, angels. Strange, amen, unaware. So I want to encourage us to look into that rule. It's a, it's, it, that rule is tied to the first, second, and third angel's message. And as it is true, there's an opposite to that. There's an opposite. Many people are going to receive the other man. And, by, and here's where I want us to get this. They're going to receive that man, and they're going to receive the, the man that he come in, which is the beast. And by receiving the beast, they're going to receive Satan. That's one level. I want us to see that there's a second level. There's another level to that. And here's this level. It's God, Christ, people, or the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the way we see the Holy Spirit is the Spirit working through people. That's how we see it. So it's the dragon, the beast, the false prophet. The false prophet is the spirit of the dragon working in them. That's how we know they're false. They have the spirit of the dragon. They have the spirit that gives life to the error. And we have the spirit that gives life to truth, which is the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Holy Spirit is revealed through people. He possesses people and he reveals himself through the people. They become his dove. Just like Jonah was his dove. We become the dove of the Holy Spirit, his agent to fulfill prophecy. And if we can't recognize the working of the Spirit in people, we're going to re resist Him. We resist the Holy Ghost by resisting the man the Holy Ghost chooses to use to bring the message to us. That's one way we resist the Holy Ghost. That's one way. And if you resist Him, you resist Christ. You resist Christ, you resist the Father. That's how that works. And all those will speak against you. And that threefold union is going to combine their powers and speak to the whole world at the Sunday law. And they're going to do it through men. And if they resist these men who has the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit dwelling, Christ says, I'm, I'm going to come and make, oh, how does he say it? Uh, my father's going to come. He will keep my words and my father will love yes. And we will we, come unto him. We will what? And make our bold. He will come unto us as the rain, Amen. as the former Amen. and the latter rain. That's how he's going to come. And if they refuse you, they resist Christ. And if they resist Christ, they refuse me. So therefore, cast them into outer darkness. Cast them out. Cast them out. And this part is with sin. If you accept the false prophet, you're going to accept Satan. I'm not going to the, the Catholic Church. That's the letter. We're going straight to the Spirit. To accept the teaching of the false prophet, you're going to accept, the, you're going to accept Satan. To accept Satan is to accept sin. Sin is a real power. It's a real power. And it's in all of us. But it can't come out until the blotting out of sin. So until that time, Christ gives us power to resist his influence in our life and to stay under his influence for how long? Until the time of the end. Do it until he comes whose right is this to possess the whole house. Amen. The whole body. Amen.
Amen. That's the plan of salvation because we prepared a place for him by crucifying the flesh with its affections and lusts. Every time we crucify the flesh and take up the cross, we're preparing a place for Christ to come dwell in us. Every time. Every time. I just, want to, I just want to lay this out before us as we go through this week ahead of us that we don't forget these things. If we remember these things, the Bible says we shall be saved. Every week there should be a type of saving. Every week we should experience some saving. How do we experience some saving? The Lord gives us victory over some sin in our life because it's evidence of our eternal saving. Amen. Every week we should get a victory over some sin. And you're saved from it because it's evidence of the eternal saving from the man of sin. And the Sabbath is a place for all those who have been saved from sin. And that's why we keep the Sabbath. Amen? Yes. As evidence or sign that God really did save us from that's our sin. That's why we're in the best. Place. Amen. This is the, this is the living house of God. Amen. Because the truth is shining brightly from this place. Amen? And let us not leave this place. And let us encourage one another not to leave this place, but stay in this place. There may be bad amongst us and good, but that's what the house of God is to look like until sin is blotted out. When the church is triumphant, sin is blotted out. Amen? But until then, let us endure in this church that has good and bad living in it. Because we have good and bad living in us. Amen. And because we know that we should be gentle to the good and bad in the church. Amen. If we're not gentle to them, God won't be gentle with us. Amen? So let us close out with prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I want to thank you for tabernacling with us this Sabbath day. I know by faith, O oh Lord, that, that you are here because of the light that you continue to continually cause to shine. And you've placed a certain truth in the Bible that no one can touch but you. You have reserved a truth that only you can teach. And Lord, when we really understand this, what power would, would come into our lives? Because at Mount Sinai, only you spoke the Ten Commandments, Lord. You didn't give it to an angel. You didn't give it to Moses. You gave it to no man. You reserved a truth that you alone will teach. And Lord, you told Peter, flesh and blood have not revealed this unto us because flesh and blood can't. Only God can reveal these things to us. So, Father, help us to understand that certain sound, that certain truth that only you teach. Because we don't want to resist it, O oh Lord. Because Paul says we don't want to resist the voice that speaks from heaven. So help us not to do that, O oh Lord, but help us to receive the truth and the love of it and to walk in this light and help us to be settled intellectually and spiritually so that we cannot be moved. Well, Lord, help us to be grateful that what you're revealing to us is you speaking from heaven to us. It is you who's teaching these things. And I pray that you'd open up all our eyes so that we can really understand this. Because, Father, if we understand it, the Bible says we will depart from evil. And we don't depart from evil because we don't understand certain things. So I pray and ask the Lord that you'll give us understanding so that we all can depart from evil. And Lord, I pray for those who are watching live. I pray that no one was weary and no one was taken, but in, instead their minds was taken from earth to heaven. And that instead of thinking of their weariness, oh Lord, they think of the blessing that's in store and waiting for those who walk in the light and endorse to the end. So please bless us, O oh Lord. Please forgive us of our sins. Please create in us a clean heart and renew a right spirit within us and help us to take up our cross. For in taking up our cross, we're preparing a place for you to come and dwell. So please help us to do these things, O oh Lord. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.